time. It's time for the latest buzz on pets from around the corner, down the block, and across the world with award-winning journalist, author, speaker, educator, and host, Arden Moore. Arden has twice been named by Oprah Winfrey as one of her top three pet hosts. And just this past year, the Cat Writers Association awarded Arden the coveted President's Award, given exclusively to the best of the best. Arden is driven to live her motto, bringing out the best in pets and their people. So snuggle up with your favorite fur baby, because it's time for another episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Pause up, pet pals. Hey, guess what? We're going to go to the dogs, D-O-G-S. Yes, yes, yes. In a double delightful way. We have not one, but two mighty dog experts. Our first is Kara Armour. She is a professional dog trainer. She has a big resume. Um, Let me get it all right. She's been trained by Karen Pryor. We're going to get into all her stuff in a moment. And she's got some beautiful, very talented boxers. The second half of the show, we're going to go to the dogs with T.O.D. Anderson, also a very accomplished dog trainer and author. So let's just get this show started with a big old woof. Please join me in giving pause and applause to the amazing Kara Armour. She's a pretty good friend, too. Hey, Kara, welcome to the show. Arden, you are one of my favorite people. I am so glad to be here. (laughs) All right. Well, likewise, you know, we are climbing out of COVID. And I recently took a doggy vacay with my dogs, Kona and Emma. The drive was only an hour and 45 minutes, which is nothing compared to you. But what delight they had being in the back seat, little Emma's in a little uh, booster seat because she's little and Kona's in a harness, you know, in, in a doggy bed. And we all had a great time. But I swear, I packed more for my dogs than I did for myself. So question number one, because you have literally logged more miles than Rand McNally. What, <laughs> what, what is it? Do we usually have more stuff for our dogs than us? Absolutely. <laughs> because we worry more about our pets than I think us sometimes. I have water in my van. I don't think about it for me. It's for my dogs. <laughs> I happen to have used it sometimes for myself, but it's always for the dogs. So you have logged a lot of miles. Can you share maybe one of your longest trips and how many miles and how long you were gone with your beautiful boxers? And you you need to shout out to them because they're listening. They're listening. They are listening. (laughs) They're making sure I don't disparage them in any way. Um, I have, I frequently three to four times a year travel down to Florida from Massachusetts. Oh my God. That is a solid 20 hour drive. And then I frequently, at least once a year, will head out to Indiana. So that's a 15-hour drive. Those are my long hauls, but I do a lot of six hours, three hours. And then every weekend, anything, you know, an hour plus is pretty normal. An hour for you is like me going to the grocery store, right? (laughs) Yes, I do live a little secluded, but I like (laughs) it because I needed land for my dogs. So who are your your, uh, beautiful boxers? Well, I have Debbie, Walter. Phoenix and Wendy. <laughs> Does Wendy um, you know, take on a stage show with Peter Pan once in a while or pretty much? Okay. She actually has her own show. She's <laughs> wacky Wendy, wild Wendy. 
She's a 10 month old boxer puppy from uh, German lines that I am introducing into my lines to add, believe it or not, more pizzazz. <laughs> more pizzazz. Now, I've never heard yes. pizzazz and boxer in the same breath, but I'm going for it. So oh, I think they're synonymous. I think. OK, she's she is a boxer, um, mega, mega um, advocate. What is your vehicle? You mentioned a van. So give us the deets. I have an incredibly reliable 2017 Toyota Sienna. It has been, I've had many vehicles. I put a lot of miles on other vehicles and this van gets it done. Good. It's economical. It packs in everything. I have four crates in there wow. so that my dogs are safe and secure. Yep. Plus I can get most of my stuff. Occasionally I have to do a rooftop carrier for husband cups. Okay, so rooftop carrier. I wanted to say rooftop carrier, but it is <laughs> rooftop. I've done that before when I uh, lived in California. I had to go places like Texas, and I just pray that a it's I I'm not so high up that um, on an overpass I I lose it or getting uh, a drive through I lose it. So um, what's a tip on uh, putting anything on the rooftop? So you, well, we put in most things that aren't valuable. We'll put some spare crates. Okay. <laughs> we'll put our, you know, human clothes, never the dog stuff. Dog stuff's always <laughs> in the van. Of course. <laughs> um, and mostly extra stuff, stuff that's not heat sensitive. Okay. Right. Because okay. it's it's a black box on top of a dark van in the middle of the sun. So that's we, we, we don't put valuable. Uh -oh. there. <laughs> Do you, but at night, I'm assuming you take that off, right? Because, um, Burglars, it actually you know, locks. It locks. Oh, it does. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're safe. Okay. So inside your crate, I love how you sacrifice your clothing for your pets. Mm -hmm. How do you figure? I mean, what are some things you can help our listeners with? What are some must haves? Obviously, water, obviously, either a crate or secure, uh, like with Kona. Kona's only 30 pounds. So she's in a harness tethered to a seatbelt in a cushy bed in the back seat. My dog, Emma, who's far smaller than any boxer adult that I know, she's only nine pounds. I have learned, and maybe you can reinforce this, little dogs can get motion sickness if they are at, tethered on the, in, a, in a carrier or whatever. They can't look out the window. So Correct. if they're in a harness tethered in a booster seat where they can look high and mighty left and right, is that true? Because you're the dog trainer, not me. It's 100% true. So um, just like humans, if our bodies and our eyes can't see the movement, our body doesn't understand and therefore we can get motion sickness. That's why a lot of people will get it on a boat or a plane oh. and it's best to look out the window, sit in the front seat. So dogs are very much the same. If they're in a vehicle and it's moving and they can't see out, uh, they have a tendency, some have a tendency to get car sickness. A lot of puppies start off that way. and oh. most, most do grow out of it. Some do not. But all of my dogs are on raised platforms, on crates, um, ratcheted down to the platforms, ratcheted <laughs> down to bolts in the van. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thank you, because small or big dogs all need to be able to look out the window. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And they need to say, are we almost there yet? Are we almost yes. there yet? Are we almost there yet? Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that you're a, a fine boxer foursome. They may not all travel at the same time. Don't they kind of get a kick out of being in a car? They do. They actually enjoy it quite, quite a bit. I did. Um, I was rear-ended. Everybody was fine. But we have had a couple times where my dogs had a little bit of associative fear oh. because of an accident. 
And so I've worked through that with snuffle mats and licky mats. And I'm just going through that with my mail. I was rear-ended a few months ago. And I noticed that when I would come to a slowing down off the highway and I was rear-ended, <laughs> he would start to shake. Oh. And so I started to, you know, association. So anyways, we worked through that. No, but, but this in- is a good tip. Don't get in and do a baby talk saying, oh, no, we're going to go in the car. It's okay. Right. So what would you say to, um, is it, would it be Walter? It would be Walter. Okay. I just, he got in the car fine. His association for getting in the car was completely okay. It was just certain movement. I had a former dog that we were rear-ended when the turn signal was on or in Boston, we call it the blinker. Um, (laughs) And he would have an associative, he would start to shake when the blinker would go on. So now with Walter, it was slowing down. So I can't reach back into his crate while I'm driving. But what I did was I gave him a snuffle mat, which is, I always say that they're like a 70s shag rug. Yeah. And I actually lived through that era. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I had a 70s shag rug. And so I sprinkle his kibble or treats in it and it takes him longer. It enacts his olfactory sense and calms him down. And so we've worked through, yeah, we've worked through that fear with him. Hey, everyone, we're speaking with Kara Armour, dog trainer, agility, metal, ribbon winner extraordinaire. We're going to talk more with her about dog travel after we take this break. So you know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome back to the Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I got my pal here, Kara Armour. She's giving us some really great tips on how to travel safely with your dog or two or three or four. And uh, she's uh, done many, many miles. We've talked a little bit about the water and maybe using the roof, if you have that option, to give them a little more wiggle room and uh, safety harnesses, crates, things like that. I mean... The dogs are in the in the back and they're not being able to say, oh, I see a blue car or let's get all the states done like you do with the kids. I see Indiana. I see Kentucky. Um, What do you do when it's one human and more than one dog uh, to get them all kind of I mean, you sing to them. What do you do? You can confess. Just don't worry. Just millions of people are listening to you right now. I definitely do sing. They listen to a lot of podcasts. Apparently okay. they like murder mysteries. That, that's oh, they what do. they choose. They do. <laughs> um, no, I, this is something I'm actually very conscious of. I'm a, for lack of a better word, long haul driver. And I would drive, I could go forever, but I keep in mind that my dogs are in crates and they're, they're appropriately sized, but they're not, you know, they can't necessarily stretch their legs as well as they want. So every three to four hours, I am very conscientious yeah. about stopping. Okay. Um, And then a tip that I do have, and I think this is important, especially now, we've had a lot of kennel cough going around. We've had a lot of kind of just icky, icky, you get too many dogs together. There's The South has been very great about having dog parks at many rest stops, but I actually avoid those. I pull off the highway and I go to places. This is funny. I look for dandelions. I look for weeds. Dandelions. I I look for dandelions dandelions in my backyard. I know. I know. but, But listen to me on this. 
So boxers are prone to cancer. Many breeds are. And so I'm very, I'm very careful about that. And so I look for places that are not visited by a lot of dogs and not treated with a lot of chemicals. Oh, so a lot of times behind strip malls off to that side, they don't care about or a new pad site. Those are really good places to stop to let my dogs up. Then I don't have to worry because my dogs, especially in the spring, they love to eat the little tips of the cool grass. And so I just want to be careful about what, because I don't know if I stopped through six states, I don't know where they picked up something that gave them tummy trouble. Right. You know so what? I try and let's, reduce let's, that as much as possible. That is such a brilliant tip because I have gone uh, to 13 states. I'm going to be going to Minnesota in July from Dallas. I always felt queasy when I had to let them uh, go potty breaks when I go to a rest stop because I'm like, oh, so I think what I might do is the Kara armor method. I might take them, stop and let them go do their little thing. And maybe then they'll be in the car while I go in a rest stop. And I promise not to roll around in the um, the doggy area. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it just I, I travel the 95 corridor a lot and there's yeah. rest stops I'm grateful for them, but they get icky. You know, they're yeah, they they're, they're every overused. Not everybody's a responsible dog owner. So there's stuff left behind. Land so I just that stink. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And even even I take I take 90 all the way out to my parents' house in Ohio a lot. And the rest stops there, although there is one in New York that is unbelievable. You want so, to, yeah, you I just that one. People might be listening. I, oh, remember? it's a long. I believe it's in the it's definitely in the Mohawk Valley. I'll have okay. to I'll have to get you That's the name. Okay. But That's OK. It's one of my favorite. I wish it were actually a little further out because it's only two and a half hours from my, you know, the start of my ride. That's but I stop there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's along an Erie lock along the Erie Canal. And it's just picturesque. It's always clean. The bathrooms are phenomenal. So, yeah, I actually pick, <laughs> you know, I, I pick spots. I found I traveled during COVID. I've traveled during the gas crisis. Okay. And so you have to get creative where you stop. And so a lot of times I'll pull over safely at one stop and I'll look ahead. I found this amazing trail again in New York that paralleled a disc golf field. Oh, I thought you so said they, disco. Okay. But a disc oh, golf. Okay. Disc golf field. And it was a good half hour walk. It was a beautiful day. It was shaded. All the trees were, were labeled. So you knew the, you know, the greenery. It, it was just, I find all these little things. And then I actually take screenshots and I store them in the notes of my phone for oh, when nice. I travel on certain routes. Oh my God. That's brilliant. All right. What about chow? I know you talked a little bit about Walter with the snuffle mat. Um, I bring food. I want to bring bottled water because I don't trust hotel stays or anything. I don't want Giardia. I don't want, you know, doggy diarrhea at 3 a.m. in the hotel. Can you talk about some tips on how to what to bring and how to bring it? And I know different people have different food choices. So what's what's your take? Sure. So I always have my trusty cooler. I have a <laughs> water cooler that fits like perfectly in this little nook in the back of the van. I always carry water buckets. Okay. Um, they tend to rattle when you clip them to the crate. So my husband has rubberized them. Oh, Jared, you're the best. He is the best. <laughs> See, we got your husband's so name in here too. Yeah. And it allows, yes. And it allows us to put, we'll put about a quarter to three quarters inches of water in there um, so they can wet their palate, but not so it's sloshing all over the place. I'm generally on the highway, but you hit yeah. a turn that's, yeah. We've had some water spills. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then for food, I do feed, you know, a, a frozen raw diet. And so what I do is I actually put them in Ziploc baggies and we call them flats. Okay. We prepare them and we flatten them. So they fit into a cooler very easily, which fits underneath one of the crates. It has its own little home. 
Wow. And you just have to think ahead, right? If you if you feed food that needs hydrated, you need to leave out a portion so you can get it ready. Because usually we're traveling either through dinner time. I'll try and push my dogs. If they're going to get there at eight, I'll let them go till eight. But if I'm going to go any longer, I will stop on the side of the road and I will feed everybody. But yes, I have baby wipes to clean their bowls. You know, I have hand sanitizer. I, I'm a traveling sink. (laughs) So what do you think, what are the benefits as a professional dog trainer, when a dog gets the opportunity to get out of their same neighborhood, same sidewalk, blah, 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 and get the chance to new sights, sounds, and smells? I think it's just enrichment and stimulation. My dogs, you know, I open the hatch every single time or the side doors and they're like, where are we now? What's going on? How's this? Oh and they, they air scent, they take in the air and that's where they get a lot of their information. So I think it's a lot of fun. Even I always tell people when they have puppies and you have to be careful when they haven't had all their shots and their immune systems are low, they can still go on car rides. They can still go to Home Depot. You can carry them. You can put them in the car. Yeah. Just, you know, I just seeing things. Everyone thinks socialization is bringing your dog to a park and letting them meet all these other parks. But socialization is exposure to new social environments. Exactly. And so I really, I really encourage people to take their dogs out and about to dog, you know, places that dogs are allowed. And um, if you have a question, just call the store manager. And I just, I don't know, I, I, my dogs love it. If, if we've had terribly hot days and my dogs are bored on the treadmill because I cannot run boxers when it's super hot, we'll go yeah. for car rides. I like it. Right? I they, like it. They get to see the countryside during COVID when everything oh. was pretty much shut down. We went for a lot of car rides. We stayed within our state and we found actually found some castles and great places to hike. So yeah, Yeah. I think it's a great way to stimulate and enrich your dogs. I love it. I love it. Hey, everyone, we're speaking with Kara Armour. We just got a few seconds left, but Kara, how do people find out about you? Where can we track you down, sniff you out? Probably the best place is either Facebook or my company website, which is getactivepaws.com. And um, yeah, I just, I love to travel with my dogs and let them see the world as as much as I can. Hey, everybody, give a little pause and applause to Kara Armour. She's getting it done with not one, but several boxers going up and down the 95 quarter. For all my East Coast loyal listeners, you guys know that that drive. And she gave you some tips, too. So don't worry about finding where Waldo is. Just have a safe trip with your dog. And uh, we're going to come back after this break, and we're going to talk to Teodi Anderson. And she's got some things to share about dog training tips. So everybody just sit and stay. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. There, there. Now settle down. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. What's up, pet pals? We're back. You're on the Four-Legged Life show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our second guest is pretty accomplished in the dog world. Uh, We're going to get into that more Uh, She's got books. She's helping our dogs have good manners. She's a dog's best friend, which is the name of her company. So please join me in giving pause and applause to the amazing, no, make that possum, Teodi Anderson. Welcome to the show, Teodi. Thank you, Arden. I'm so glad to be here. It's a great new show, and we got a great guest that knows all things DOG. Uh, we want to get into a little bit about our adult dogs and everybody just to give a little background on Teodi, um, your company is called a dog's best friend what a great name tell us a little bit about that 
Thank you. Um, we are South Florida's oldest positive dog training company. My husband started the company in 1994 and I joined him and moved down here and we got married. Yay. And um, yes. And so uh, we have been pioneering positive training in South Florida for quite some time. Um, you better name it your hubby. <laughs> uh, Tim, Tim Mullally, also a trainer. <laughs> Phew, marriage saved. <laughs> well, I see on Facebook and social media, you and Tim do like to work hard and play hard. And you've been to New York, right? See some. Players? Yes, we recently went to New York. We saw some shows. We ate some good food. We do work hard. We po probably on social media post more of the playing rather than the working. So people think that's all we do, but it's not true. We work, you know, like I have 26 calls this week, uh, just lessons in people's homes. And that doesn't include the board and train dogs that we sometimes have here and other things too. So we work pretty hard. Yes. So how did you get into the dog world? And, and everyone, she is the past president. Let me get this right. What's the the dog, the big dog organization. The Association of Professional Dog Trainers. It's the largest association of dog trainers in the world. Yes. And she was the president, APDT. I did yes. it right. So you're young, young Teodi. Where, where are you growing up? And did you pet a dog and it was magical? <laughs> and you're like, that is my journey. Pretty much. I've always loved dogs. And um, I was, I wasn't allowed to have a dog till I was 12. So it, it was a del delayed build up there. Okay. Um, and the Papillon, I've had Papillons ever since, but, um, I wanted to do therapy dog therapy okay. work. My dogs, okay. I wanted to volunteer and the dogs I had at the time needed therapy. They couldn't give it to you. They were Shelties and they were very <laughs> timid. So yeah. they were not candidates for going anywhere. I but I had Sheltie on a couch going, doc, have I had a day? <laughs> they were seriously, seriously. They had lots of complaints to management. Um, but I adopted a three-legged Labrador who ended up being my heart dog. And I trained him to be a therapy dog and found out I had a knack for it. And it kind of just snowballed from there. I started looking for better ways to train and more positive ways to train. So I found the Association of Professional Dog Trainers and met Dr. Ian Dunbar. Oh, and, he's Ian, Dr. Ian Dunbar, all y'all. He is a top dog. Yeah. He really is. He, he, uh, he has pioneered a lot of positive training in the country. And um, I just kind of snowballed from there. I started serving on committees and then I became president. I got my first book deal and it just kind of snowballed from a wonderful three-legged dog. And I still miss that dog every day. And who is that dog? What was your dog? It was name? Cody, my Cody. Cody. Which leg? Front left. Oh, okay. Front left. Okay. So he yes. couldn't be a soft paw. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. I'm a lefty. So that, that's what I'm saying. But it is amazing. Some dog in our past, our childhood or young adulthood, can really make an imprint, right? Yeah, he was the trajectory to where I am today, truly. Well, to you, Cody, to you, Cody. You have a, a few books with your name on it, and one of them I really wanted to talk about, I think your latest one, it's called Ultimate Guide to Dog Training. Can you tell us a little bit what that's all about? Sure. The Ultimate Guide to Dog Training is, is pretty much a soup to nuts on how to train your dog, everything from basic behaviors to more complex behaviors. Okay. Give me a easy and a hard. Easy would be um, a sit. Most yeah, everybody right now, I'm doing it. Sit. Right. You can't underestimate the sit. If a dog is sitting, he's not jumping on people. If he's sitting, he's not chasing the cat. So sit is a really powerful exercise, but I don't think people actually utilize it enough. And a hard one would be... Um, well, if you take that same sit and have him sit when people come through the door, it becomes a much Ooh, harder. Yes, I'm so excited. I want right. to say 
say hi. I want to say, you told me to sit. Right? Exactly. So you can have one exercise that goes through different levels of difficulty, depending oh, on wow. you know what you need it for. I like it. I like it. You think like a dog. And when I ask you that, what does that mean? Dogs learn information differently than we do. Okay. So for example, when I talk to you, Arden, you smile and you nod and, and, and maybe you're taking some notes and, and you're going to carry that information wherever you go. But dogs don't really generalize like yes. that. So okay. if I tell my dog to sit in the living room, he's perfect. I go to in the middle of a group class and tell him to sit and he acts like he's never heard the word before. <laughs> and he's not being defiant. He's not trying to embarrass me in front of the class. It's just that there's so many distractions that it's hard for him to comply with that. Um, dogs are also visual learners. So they okay. learn hand signals faster than verbal signals. So if you understand how the dog's brain works and the science behind training, you can actually get better results faster. And what about their nose? How does that play a role in learning? Oh, that's a tremendous thing because they can smell so much better than we can. <laughs> um, sometimes they don't smell better than we can. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not, not, uh, you need a bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you mean their power of their olfactory? Yes, Did the I say power it right? of their is yeah. amazing, and they can smell so much better than we can. So they have much greater distractions. So when oh. you walk out in the neighborhood, you may notice cars going by, maybe a UPS truck or something comes by, maybe you can hear your neighbors. But he can also smell the neighbors barbecuing five blocks away. He can also Whoa. smell a pretty girl dog who walked by Ooh, a little earlier, you know, or see, you know, hear smells the lizard that just, you know peed wow. on a stump somewhere. So their olfactory system is amazing. So there's a lot more competition for your attention when you're working with your dog outside. Now, I understand we're going to uh, talk a little bit about adult dogs because you can teach an adult and a senior dog new things and not just tricks, but behaviors, right? So can you bust the myth that, oh, my dog's eight years old, forget it. It's funny because some people have a really big tolerance for problem behaviors. And so a dog's been biting somebody for five years. And I always ask, why did you call me today? You've been putting up with this for five years. What was yes. that today? And it's usually because the dog bit the wrong person oh. or they suddenly got embarrassed. And, and they're asking me if it's too late. I'm like, it's never too late. Now you have five years of habit that we've got to undo, which okay. makes it harder. It is always better, especially with the problem behavior, to start early. But an older dog, as opposed to a puppy, has a much better attention span. I can get a lot more reps out of an exercise with an older dog, whereas a puppy does, you know, a couple reps and then there's a butterfly and then they're gone. <laughs> you have to be like, focus, focus. You know, the puppies are very easy. <laughs> right. Squirrel. So older dogs absolutely can be trained. You just have to understand that you've built up a certain history, whether it's you or the family that had him before, if it's a rescue, there's a history of habit there. And we all know habits are hard to break. Yeah. Hey, everyone, we're speaking with Teodi Anderson. She is the vice president of A Dog's Best Friend. It's based in South Florida. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to learn about some things that we can do to bring the best out in our adult dogs. And remember, her book that we're talking about today is The Ultimate Guide to Dog Training. So sit, stay. We'll be right back. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Have you missed any of today's episode? Well, stop chasing your tail. We post past episodes and full-length video versions of our guest interviews on our website, 
fourleggedlife.com. That's fourleggedlife.com. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Welcome back to Four-Legged Life. I'm your host, Arden Moore, and our guest today is Teodi Anderson. Teodi, I love that you can break habits just like we can in ourselves. And every case that you get, you get them in person, Zoom. I mean, how do people come to you with their dog issues? Most of the issues that I get now are in person here in South Florida, but I do consults all over the country uh, with rescue groups and other things. During the pandemic, I did a lot of Zoom. I didn't want to stop dog training and people got dogs. They didn't hesitate in the pandemic to get dogs. I need a bud and a Budweiser, right? That was kind of the mantra during COVID. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so people needed help because people weren't coming to houses and helping them one-on-one. So people reach me and then every now and then, you know, people will write, read the books and then reach out to me because my contact information is in there. So they'll reach out to me with specific questions. Some things I can answer. Some things I really have to meet the dog, but I really prefer to do it in person as much as possible so I can meet the dog and meet the person and get a case history and figure out exactly what's going on. So from the dog's perspective, they're getting out and about. And some of us are going back to our offices and we have been sharing a couch with them for almost two years they know every Netflix they've been shown, then they don't grab your remote unless they want to chew it. But uh, what's happening to our dogs now that are quote unquote home while we return to the workforce? Is there any tips you can give us any, the do's and don'ts so they don't get uh, full of uh, separation anxiety or pining for us? We're seeing so much separation anxiety. It's, you know, for, some, for, for a while, nobody went anywhere and nobody came over to visit. Yeah. So these dogs are not socialized. So now people are starting to have family again, visiting and friends visiting. And the dogs are aggressive towards strangers because they've never been exposed to that. And also they're terribly upset that you're leaving that couch. They don't want you to leave the couch because you didn't do it for two years. Where are you going? Why can't I go? Two years is a long time in a dog's life, right? It is, especially when everybody got puppies. So this is all the world the puppy has ever known. Yeah. So I know my dog, Kona, the terrier, she hadn't seen anybody for a while. And my sister, Deb, walked in and she went bananas like that, like falling over herself, not aggressive, just, oh, my gosh, there's my aunt. And so there's two sides. There could be the one that goes over joy and the other's like, hey, who are you? Right. Right. How do we deal with that? What? Because obviously. Uh, you're the expert. What do we do so that we kind of rein in their emotions and build their confidence? One of the things, and, and separation anxiety is a huge topic, but a couple quick tips are one, we have to teach them to self-soothe. You oh, have self their, what? Self? Self-soothe. Okay. To soothe themselves because you've been their entertainment for two years. You and Netflix been their entertainment <laughs> for two years. And now you're not there. You're not going to play tug with them all day. You can't throw the ball with them all day. You can't go for a walk all day. They have to learn. And they've never been taught that. And that is something that has to be taught. So I like a lot of food stuffed toys. Okay. Get them occupied with something that's yummy. I feed most puppies all meals out of a food stuffed toy. I want them to learn to figure out those puzzles, work those brains. Okay. Uh, And you you can can do that for adult dogs too. Absolutely. Environmental enrichment. The other thing that's helpful especially for a dog that's not full-blown separation anxiety, more like a separation distress. They're starting to get worried. They're not like destroying the door to get away out. 
mm-hmm. not, not, not terrible where they're hurting themselves because dogs will do that too. Yeah. Is identify every step you take to walk out that door. You almost made me want to sing. Every step you take. <laughs> Dog's going, every move you make, I'll be watching you. If that helps, then you go sing. <laughs> so, yes. Every step. So, so you're going to like, what do you do to walk out the door? If you were to walk out the door, Arden, right now, would you pick up your phone? Would you grab a purse? Would you grab a water? What, yes. what do you do? Yeah, do those you are cues, right? Right. And then you do it 10 times a day, but don't go anywhere. Oh, so you, get up, you grab your phone, you get your water, you get your keys, you walk to the door, you turn around, you put everything back and pretend nothing ever happened and go back to watching Netflix. And the dog's you, going, what? Right. Because your dog isn't just upset when you walk out the door. Your dog's anxiety is starting at those precursor cues for you leaving. Oh, I have found a lot of success, especially with minor cases, with with that and some environmental enrichment alone is that the dog realizes, oh, well, you know, he picked up his backpack 50 times now. He's not really going anywhere. I shouldn't have to get so upset about this. I like that. I like that. It's sort of uh, just making it so that it isn't one thing. I mean, I used to say, do you want to go out? And, uh, and now I have to spell it. I spelled it O-U-T. And then I have to spell it T-U-O now. They can learn sounds. <laughs> like, because you're on the couch and it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you say something about a show. Oh my gosh, they knocked it out of the ballpark. And, and my dogs on the couch are going, okay, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, no. So you're saying they, le- I mean, they know words. Come on, they're smart. They, but they read us, right? They do. They read us that they're very good. They're visual learners and they know when you don't feel well. They know when you've had a bad day. They know they're very good at watching us much better than we are at them. I mean, for someone like me who does that for a living, I watch very carefully and I can see that the dog is getting stressed and I can see when they're getting upset. But if you haven't studied that, it's really easy to overlook that that anxiety is starting so much earlier. And once I start pointing it out, people realize that, you know, the dog starts licking his lips and the dog starts yawning and the dog starts shaking like he's wet, but he's not wet. And he does do all those signs. And those are all stress signs that your dog is building. Okay. I like that. You are training the two-legger. Always. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you do that diplomatically? That's a challenge. (laughs) Do it diplomatically. It's it's really fun when people realize sometimes it's the first lesson, sometimes it's the 10th that, you know, you're training me. Yes. But it's, uh, it's, that's fine, right? Well, it's a team, yeah. right? You have to be a team. The dog has to learn, but the person has to learn. So in your training, um, do your dogs ever help you show an example? And do you want to give a little shout out to the current pack you have now? Sure. They're not. Because they're listening. Come on. They're listening. They are. I have wonderful 11 and a half year old. I can't believe that already. A Belgian Tavira named Sawyer. Mm-hmm. He's devastatingly handsome. Oh, have, <laughs> he's a very handsome man. I have a eight-year-old Yorkie. That was our, our merged marriage. My husband came with the Yorkie and I came with the Belgian. I thought that was kind of funny. She's like a- Lady and the Tramp, only 2000, uh, 2.0. <laughs> right. And she rules the house. She is four pounds and she is feisty and she rules this house. With what is her name? Dog. Rosie. Rosie. Okay. Four She's pounds? Three. Four pounds of just feistiness. She's hysterical. Liz, well, this is South Florida in case you can't tell from behind me and, and right. lizards live in fear of Rosie. 
<laughs> I, all right, I'm, I got you. Rosie's the boss. Well, that's good because uh, they're two different breeds. And we, when we're talking about the dogs, there are some breed tendencies. But can you tell us why we shouldn't just think all Belgian uh, uh, teas, I call them, Belgian teas are this way and all Yorkies are this way? What What's a common uh-oh that we do when we have a dog that is either a purebred or has mostly one breed? I think that people sometimes use breed as an excuse. Oh. So Belgian Tavirans are generally a little reserved with people. Mine's a flirt. He's an absolute flirt. So he's so there are always exceptions to the breed. But if you have, for example, I used to have Shetland sheepdogs and they can be very reserved and shy. If you have a Shetland sheepdog that is barking and lunging at people because it's terrified, people will go to that breed description and go, well, you know, they're shy. I'm like, no, he's got he's got some fear issues. Yeah. It's not an excuse like, oh, bulldogs are stubborn. Well, you just have to train them. I train bulldogs all the time to do all sorts of things. You know, people use it as an excuse. And I think that that's a disservice to the dog. Oh, I agree. If people need to want to find out about you, and we're speaking with Teodi Anderson. She is the author of many books, including The Ultimate Guide to Dog Training. How do we do it? You can find me at teodianderson.com. You can also find me at a dogsbestfriend.com. All right. Any parting message you want to give to our folks? Just never forget that you can teach an old dog new tricks. You just have to have a little bit more patience with them. Hopefully they have patience with us as well. I agree. We're going to take a break. And remember, her book that we're talking about today is The Ultimate Guide to Dog Training. That's it for our show today. I really appreciate you all tuning in. And uh, I want to do a shout out to all our stations coast to coast who are airing Arden Moore's four-legged life show and to our sponsors yay so until next time this is Arden Moore saying to all you two three and four-leggers out there pause up